Welcome to The Readout, a new conversation series with State Department spokesperson Heather Nauert. This discussion is with the producers of Oscar-nominated documentary, Last Men in Aleppo. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, we know how busy your schedules are. We have colleagues here that represent the State Department, also from the NSC, uh, other cabinet agencies as well, joining us here today uh, to meet our friends here from Syria. Uh, many of you had probably heard about their documentary film, The Last Men in Aleppo. Uh, one of my colleagues here at the State Department invited me to a screening of this about two weeks ago, uh, in which uh, some of the filmmakers spoke after. And upon seeing that screening, and I had heard of the White Helmets before, knew of their work, knew that the State Department and USAID were supporting them in the work that they do financially, um, as well as uh, morally and ethically. But when I saw this documentary, I said, we have to bring this to the State Department. Um, I contacted my colleague, John Stubbs, from our NEA Bureau and said, John, let's make this happen. And as you all know how bureaucracy works so slowly, it was really a miracle that we were able to turn this around in less than a week. Uh, John worked with our colleagues at uh, ECA, Education and Cultural Affairs, uh, to ensure that we were able to get this documentary. Uh, our friends here from Syria are just here in Washington. They changed their schedule uh, to make it here. They just flew in from Hollywood. So if you can imagine going from Syria and Turkey to Hollywood, to Washington uh, to meet with us, it's quite a whirlwind. Uh, gentlemen, uh, you were uh, given a Oscar nomination. Congratulations for that. That is uh, an incredible feat. About a week ago, uh, one of their colleagues, the founder of the White Helmets, Raid Salih, was here in Washington, and uh, I had the opportunity to meet him. He had some high-level meetings with USAID and other folks at the State Department. And then he came down to speak with some of our bullpen reporters, our reporters who cover the State Department and foreign affairs every day. Uh, so we were very honored to have him, and we are very honored to have these gentlemen as well. Uh, Raid, the founder of the White Helmets, uh, sent me a note that I received just yesterday morning, and I'd like to read that to you because I think that really shows uh, the current situation taking place in Eastern Gouda. Uh, let me read this to you. He says, uh, Dear Ms. Nauert, I'm writing to update you on the current situation in Eastern Gouda. We had the opportunity to discuss it during our last meeting in Washington, but since then the situation has become truly horrific. Last night, the White Helmets lost four of their heroic volunteers following direct targeting of our teams on the ground. A further 10 volunteers were injured, four of whom are currently in critical condition. This is not the first incident involving our volunteers. Many happened before. We hope that one day they will stop being considered a target. These men, these brave and heroic men, are targets, and you will see that in this film. Uh, he goes on to say, uh, to talk about the number of people who have died, the innocent civilians. And then he says, let me tell you what the modus operandi is of both Syrian and Russian forces. First it is they shell an area to kill as many people as possible. Then they use the chemical weapons to deliberately harm the people who took shelter underground, since it is at that level and that chemical substances spread. Uh, he goes on to de detail some of that. Finally, he says, the criminal behavior is barbaric and should be stopped. On behalf of our 3,900 volunteers, I am appealing to you and your excellent team so that action can be taken to save the people of Eastern Gouda. In the 21st century, it is simply unacceptable to let 390, 
2,000 civilians die due to the rest of the world's inertia. On behalf of the White Helmets, I implore you to take action to stop this massacre in Ghouta and all over Syria. Sincerely, Raid Salim. That tells you something, doesn't it? Uh, their documentary, of course, is about Aleppo, but I think we're seeing so many similarities between uh, what took place in Aleppo and what's taking place in eastern Ghouta now. So I'd like to introduce you uh, to our friends fresh off the plane. Uh, Kareem Abdid is the producer of The Last Men in Aleppo. He's a 32-year-old Syrian media activist and co-founder of the Aleppo Media Center. He's from the Aleppo suburbs, from the town of Anjara. He was forced to flee Aleppo and currently lives with his wife and his daughter uh, in another town there. Next, we have Kanin Rahmani. He's an advocacy campaigner with the Syria Campaign, which supports the advocacy work of the White Helmets and other Syrian groups, and he frequently travels to northern Syria. You graduated from law school at American University. So you know Washington well. Uh, Khalid Khatib, he's the media officer with the White Helmets and the production coordinator for The Last Men in Aleppo. He joined the White Helmets in Aleppo and started work as a photographer inside Aleppo and later moved to Turkey to coordinate the media work across the country. He was named as one of Forbes 30 under 30 last year. That's impressive. And then finally, Radi Saeed, he's the coordinator of the White Helmets Chemical Weapons Response Program. He oversees the teams inside Syria that respond to chemical attacks. He was born in Idlib. He has been studying engineering at the University of Aleppo, but was forced to withdraw in 2012 due to security threats. He worked with humanitarian organizations and local councils before joining the White Helmets. He currently lives with his wife and daughter in Istanbul. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Tell me where you were before you were making the film. We were in Aleppo since the Syrian Free Army entered the eastern neighborhoods of Aleppo. We had we formed our first corps for the Aleppo Media Center. We were the, one of the first who transferred uh, a good illustration of what's happening inside Aleppo as activists and helped also the media uh, and the journalists. And uh, sir, how did you first learn about the work of the White Helmets? I remember in 2013 we started seeing several teams across the country that were working independently with very little equipment trying to rescue um, civilians who were trapped under the rubble. And it was very difficult because they didn't have the equipment they needed, they didn't have the training that they needed, but they had the, the passion, they had the idea uh, that they wanted to do anything they could and even put their own lives at risk to try to save these civilians. And I remember uh, later that year, they came together across the country and formed the White Helmets. And I had the opportunity to visit many of the White Helmet centers um, in northern Syria, in Hama, in Idlib, in Aleppo. And it's been really uh, traumatizing. I've seen White Helmets who I've met been uh, killed uh, after Russian airstrikes. One of the centers I visited was targeted twice consecutively by bunker busters. That was in Kafr Zeta in uh, the Hama countryside, and seven white helmets were killed in that deliberate Russian attack. So it's just been uh, traumatic to see the level of, of systematic targeting of these heroes on the ground. Yeah, certainly. Uh, Khalid, tell us about the experience of filming in these conditions. Uh, 
2012, I was a high school student. Afterwards, most of the neighborhoods in Aleppo were out of the control of the regime, and we were targeted by shellings, and I stopped all my studying. I felt that I have a higher calling to help my people, help my families, and help the civilians to do something, because back then, the regime forces prohibited any uh, uh, emergency uh, teams, any journalists to go and help to provide relief and to do something. Therefore, many of the Syrians, many of the youth decided to become civilian defense and become uh, journalists and photographers to capture all of that. Uh, we were targeted by all the shelling and we started establishing for the first center for civilian defense to save our families, save our people and all the innocents who were targeted by that shelling. We saw children and women under the rubble. These are innocent people. They did not deserve to, have, to go through this. They deserve to be alive. It was a very important experience for me to try to help bring forward the truth of what's happening in Syria and for the world to know who are, who are the real Syrian people who want Syria to be a free country, a justice country, a country of justice, a country of peace, and for people to know who are those who are sacrificing their lives to save uh, lives. Well, you, you certainly are bringing that message to the forefront by being here and also through your documentary. Uh, Roddy, I want to ask you, you're the coordinator for the Chemical Weapons Response Program. Uh, that is something that we are following very closely, uh, my colleagues here at the State Department uh, and through other agencies, but also at the United Nations. Uh, we have seen Russia thwart attempts uh, to uh, continue having mechanisms that would uh, determine not only what weapons were used, but accountability for those weapons. Uh, I'd like to hear from you how the U.S. government could perhaps better support the work that you're doing so we can make those who are uh, responsible for those weapons be held accountable. Certainly, it's unfortunate uh, for Syria. We are gathering evidence. We are gathering evidence and the material that are killing Syrians uh, and children. But in spite of that, we have assumed this role based on a humanitarian aspect, not so much to, uh, we try to, uh, to hold those accountable. R Russia in particular, with the, the principle here is that the Syrians are being killed not just by chemical weapons. This weapon is the most uh, dangerous. This is the strategy that the regime is using, heavy bombing to force people into bunkers and shelters, and then it uses chemical weapons to target the largest number of people possible. We know that the gas can penetrate uh, underground. Until now, we have documented uh, targeting attempts against uh, civilians, totally against civilians. Uh, there, no military uh, party has been targeted in these attacks. The most difficult was in Ghouta recently. We had more than 100 uh, who were injured by the Syrian regime. Frankly, we have reached a level that we don't know who the next victim will be in the future. We do not know which gas will be used to kill Syrians. 
Uh, Kareem, I'd like to ask you if you could uh, compare the situation in Aleppo to the situation that's taking place in eastern Ghouta right now. Uh, to, all of us, uh, to all of us, it appears to be very similar. Um, explain what you've seen on the ground. Certainly the siege and the killing, the random killing and random bombing has been repeated in several areas, not just in eastern Ghouta. The policy of scorched earth and uh, killing people and destroying buildings is being repeated. In Aleppo, the, uh, the situation was more difficult because there are no areas that can be cultivated and people can live on. In Ghouta, people have survived because there are areas that can be cultivated, but in Aleppo, these are mostly constructed areas with residential buildings, and the therefore the situation in Aleppo was very difficult. The bombing and the advance that by the Syrian regime was tremendous. Uh, uh, nearly 400,000 people have been were besieged in two districts. And after that, the regime started to negotiate for the exit of those civilians and the Shiite militias that also fight with the regime. Yeah. Uh, Keenan, I'd like to ask you about the overall message that you would like for us to take away from this today uh, and Americans in the world in general. The film Last Men in Aleppo is about a city, a historic city, hundreds of thousands of people who were displaced from their home, thousands of people who were killed in a barbaric campaign by the Assad regime and by its Russian ally. It's about white helmets who were killed trying to save the lives of their brothers and sisters and family and friends. And what you see in the film is, is not that ancient of history, but it's being repeated right now in front of our eyes in Eastern Ghouta. In Eastern Ghouta, you have almost 400,000 people who are being subjected on a daily basis to airstrikes, to barrel bombs, to chlorine and, and other possibly other nerve agents that are being used. And we can't, we can't ignore what happened in Aleppo and allow the same fate to repeat itself in Eastern Ghouta. The American people care about the lives of other people around the world. I've seen this from every American I've ever met, that they genuinely do care about what's happening, but they just don't know what could be done to stop it. But for us as Syrians, we do know that when last year the president made a decision, it was a brave decision to, um, to attack the Sharat air base in April after the Khan Sheikhoun chemical weapons attack and to, in, to show the world that chemical weapons will not be tolerated, that was a message that the Syrian people saw, the whole world saw, and, and the Syrian regime and the Russians understood that message. But a year passed since that message was sent, and now the regime is testing the resolve of the United States once again. And I think that American people 
and the Syrian people and people around the world are waiting for the United States to do something now to make sure that chlorine gas does not become a norm, that targeting humanitarian workers that are trying to save the lives of other people does not become a norm, that targeting mm -hmm. hospitals does not become a norm. And it's really up to the United States to be able to send that message. And I really do believe in the compassion of the American people and of the values of the US government and the State Department that those messages will be sent and that Eastern Ghouta will not follow the same fate as Aleppo. Thank you, sir. We're certainly uh, working hard on that. When you leave Washington, what's next for all of you? And will you be working on another documentary? After uh, we finish, we are going back for sure to continue our work because we believe in this work and my colleagues in the civil defense and uh, people working on humanitarian issues in Syria believe in this work, and for that reason, they will continue in spite of the danger and the targeting and the loss of many of our colleagues. There are many Syrians who are still hopeful about the future and uh, for the fight for peace. We uh, hope that all efforts will come together to help these people especially now in Ghouta, 400,000 uh, civilians are under facing bombing in an area, a small area. They're being bombed, and we are not seeing anyone trying to do anything to stop this bombing. Russia, Iran, the regime, every day they're killing civilians and bombing these areas. I lived under the siege in Aleppo. Uh, one day we were under siege. And we couldn't find the time to leave the house to even get food. We were under bombing all the time. We want everyone to help, to do something to support those people who, are, who still remain on their land. And lastly, and I experienced this with uh, Russian media yesterday, some will accuse uh, the White Helmets and the work that you're doing of being propaganda. Some will accuse uh, the White Helmet uh, rescue workers as being a part of a larger plot to kill innocent civilians. What would you say to those uh, critics and to some skeptics as well about that? Frankly, the regime and the Russia and Russia are not allowing and uh, or sparing any opportunity to talk about us, whether through at the Security Council or the media or even media interviews, they talk about the civil defense and the white helmets. Uh, we're talking about the chemical uh, uh, weapons. We are documenting, we are also, they're saying that we are spreading rumors about this issue. The truth is we are presenting tangible uh, documents and evidence to the OPCW organization. And uh, we're documenting the what is happening. We have presented uh, witnesses, uh, civilians who have been injured, even uh, medics and doctors who have treated the injured. We have given a clear image. The criminals are known and so are the victims. 
Certainly, this requires some kind of action. The Russians are continuously saying this, and we have heard their lies. And the biggest lie is that they are pretending to be agents of peace, that they want people to live, that they are stand uh, next, uh, in support of the Syrian people and trying to achieve peace in Syria. This is what. What, what we're seeing is that they were bombing the centers of civil defense. They are standing with the criminal uh, party, and they continue to kill the Syrians. They are uh, blocking any attempt to hold those accountable. This is a reality, and it's understood by everyone. I would like to add one thing. The Russians and the regime, they um, spread these uh, lies because they are attempting to to accuse any party of terrorism any successful uh, organization in syria is being accused of being terrorist any party that's trying to help people is a terrorist anybody who is opposed to the dictatorial syrian regime is a terrorist the civil defense are the first witnesses to the crimes being committed by the regime and we are telling the world that the people being killed are the children and women and civilians we are the wit first witnesses to the crimes and for that reason they try to accuse us of such things to distort our image at, in social media and international media so that they won't believe us but when we say that there are martyrs, there are civilians being killed, we have documentation. And the regime is fighting any organization that is successful and is working outside its control to show that these areas outside its control uh, belong to terrorists and Al-Qaeda and to, to, to uh, portray themselves as the legitimate authority. The civil Syrian civil defense until now has saved more than 100,000 people from under the rubble. Those people would have been added to the criminal record of Bashar al-Assad so that the number of those kids would even rise. For that reason, we're trying to save uh, civilian uh, lives. And there's a big difference between what we're doing and what the Russians and the regime are doing in terms of killing people. Everybody knows and everyone, it's clear what the Syrian regime and is doing. Well, well said. Uh, gentlemen, thank you so much. Thank you for your bravery, for your selflessness in bringing us this story and the work that you do. Uh, Godspeed to you, all of you, when you head back to Syria, and please keep us posted. And thank you, all of you. You are listening to The Readout, a new conversation series with State Department spokesperson Heather Nauert. That was a discussion with the producers of Oscar-nominated documentary Last Men in Aleppo. Join us next time.